Hello, this is Season 1, Podcast 4 of Between the Presets, a weekly presentation by me, Rudy Stetner. The title of today's podcast is Thoughts of Albania. Last month, I went with some members of my family to Albania, a country that is beautiful not only for its landscapes, but also for its history and for its people. Albania is a small country, about the size of Massachusetts in land area. It's bordered by four countries on its land borders, Montenegro, Kosovo, Greece, and Macedonia. This proximity has had a major influence on its uh, language, its culture, Equally important to its land neighbors, uh, across the Adriatic Sea, uh, there is Italy. And Italy played an important role in Albania's independence, its development, its culture. It is estimated that there are 7 to 10 million Albanians worldwide many of them living in neighboring countries to Albania, quite a few living in the United States, and about 2.8 million people, mostly Albanians, live in Albania itself. About a month ago, during the first 10 days of May, my wife and two of my daughters traveled to Albania and spent some time also in Montenegro. We landed in the capital city of Tirana about two o'clock in the afternoon. We were immediately struck by the differences from other countries we had been to. For starters, brand names such as Starbucks, KFC, McDonald's, uh, things that we take for granted are practically non-existent in Albania. In the airport, in um, and in banks uh, that one can use bank cards, credit cards, in almost every business it was cash. You figure out how much cash that you're going to need for the day, for a few days, and that's that's what you go on. In the sense of technological development, with the very notable ex- exception of cell phones, uh, you're taking a, taking a step back about 30 years. Tirana, the capital of Albania, has about five and a half 550,000 people. They have plenty of cars, but still the vehicular density is quite a bit less than other cities of comparable size. What completely amazed us was just less than five minutes outside of the rather small airport, we would be going down the street and we would see somebody walking a cow. The cow would be on a rope, whatever. 
uh, goats. We saw chickens in people's backyards. There was absolutely no zoning, zoning laws preventing the ownership and maintenance of cows, of livestock, basically, within the borders of the Another thing that struck me was there were quite a few dogs in Albania. I didn't see as many as many cats. In Tirana, I saw quite a few people walking dogs, only one of them with a leash. The dogs walked alongside their owners as though there were an invisible leash connecting them to the owner. Despite this, I did not see dog droppings on the street. People controlled their pets, they cleaned up after them, and the animals were very well behaved. It, you could truly say that there was an order, orderliness that was projected in an orderly society upon its animal companions. Relative to the United States, there is a lot less crime in Albania and in neighboring Montenegro, which, although they speak a different language, they're part of the EU, unlike Albania, which still has its own currency, it's still in the same mountain range in Montenegro. But you can still feel the geographical continuity between the two countries. One Saturday night, we were in Podgorica, the capital of Montenegro, and we went into a park. There were people strolling in the park, people sitting, sitting in the park, having quiet conversations with uh, friends. And... Uh, in large parts of New York City, that would be unthinkable. Going to the park with with your girlfriend or whatever, that's putting both of you at some considerable risk. Although Albania and Montenegro uh, have lower incomes than the United States, income isn't the whole the whole picture. There is social wealth, and they have, they have, both Albania and Montenegro maintain a connection to their respective traditions, which is far stronger than the United States. I could not enjoy this refreshing contrast without feeling some sadness at living under the persistent attacks on religious tradition in the United States that have eroded the, the quality of our entertainment and of our public education. There are various estimates as to Albania's religious demography. Most of them approximately resemble 
56-57% Muslim population and about 17% Christian, with the remainder either declaring no religion at all, non-religious, or belonging to some smaller denomination. In 1967, Albania, under its dictator, communist dictator Enver Hoxha, declared Albania to be the first officially atheist country in the world. The public practice of religion was outlawed. People caught praying or expressing any sort of religious allegiance were subject to persecution, ridicule, up to and including even imprisonment under the communist dictatorship, which only started to unravel towards the end of December, towards December in 1990. So the current state of religious demography in Albania, part of that can be attributed to 45 years of severe religious repression. Various religious groups in Albania are trying to effect a greater return to religious observance. Like in the United States, people can be denominationally a member of a particular religion and be a little bit more relaxed in their uh, literal adherence to scripture. Albania is a very patriotic country. Its flag is on display in many places throughout the country. And it is a young country in terms of its independence. It became independent in 1912. It went through periods of republic, periods of monarchy, and periods of under which it was under Italian, Greek, German occupation, against which they fought fiercely. A sense of love for the country and a sense of pride in their nation goes a very long way towards making religion a constructive force of social cohesion rather than a source of division and strife. It is the only majority Muslim country located entirely within continental Europe. You can see and hear mosques in many towns, big and small, and you can hear the Muslim call to prayer, which I find has seems to have some similarities in sound, musically, to prayers in some Jewish communities. Albania's national hero was born, named Skenderbeg, was born to a Christian family, but raised in the Ottoman court. And as history tells it, this was back in the mid-1400s, he escaped from the Ottomans and uh, reached out to the Catholic Church and secured their backing for a struggle against Ottoman rule. 
which despite Albania being a small country, greatly outgunned by the Ottomans, Skenderbeg and his troops managed to tie the Ottoman Empire in knots. He has figured very prominently in Albania's history. There is a huge Skenderbeg square in the capital city of Tirana and monuments to him all over the country. We visited a Skenderbeg castle. There is a movie about his life that you can find on YouTube, which was pro produced as a joint uh, Soviet-Albanian uh, production back in the early 50s. Of course, a national narrative in which the nation's early fighter for independence reverted from Islam to Christianity kind of strains the boundaries of what is acceptable in strict interpretations of Islamic law where uh, converting away from Islam can be a capital offense. Although Skenderbeg died without having achieved his objective. Despite that, Albania's struggle for independence never stopped until independence, at least nominally, was achieved in 1912. America had its struggle for independence from Great Britain it also had its struggle against uh, slavery, which remains, which was very traumatic to the nation. And there is an expression, it was one of the expressions in black spirituals, which became a rallying cry during the civil rights movement. And that was, keep your eyes on the prize. If anybody embodies that uh, feeling, that drive of keep your eyes on the prize, it would have to be the Albanian people. One interesting little side note, the overwhelming majority of people speak Albanian in Albania. There are small Greek minorities. There's a language called Arumanian, which is a Romance language, which I think... Um, but there are two major dialects of... Albanian. There is Geg, which is spoken in the north, and there is Tusk, which is spoken in the south. After 400 years of living under uh, Turkish rule, under Ottoman rule, a lot of Turkish words found their way into Albanian. Sometimes I would translate song titles from Albanian and I would put them into Google Translate and it would Google Translate would identify the words as Turkish. I remember there was a song by a guy named Nejat Osmani called Fukara which means pauper, poor person but it was identified by um, Google Translate as a Turkish word. Uh, it is also an Albanian word having pretty much the same meaning. But after the defeat of Skenderbeg in the 
later 1400s, uh, a lot of Albanians fled to southern Italy. And they settled in, I guess, maybe 50 to 100 villages where they continued to speak Albanian. The language that they speak is known as Arboresh. And it is almost like a time capsule of the Albanian language. Unlike the Albanian spoken in uh, Albania proper, it has almost no Turkish words. It borrows some from Greek, it borrows some from uh, Italian. But there remains this sense of connectedness between the Arboresh and between Albanians living in Albania living in Montenegro, living in Macedonia. To a great extent, Albanians living outside of Albania's borders have not forgotten their kinsmen in Albania. And that has been a source of economic strength to Albania. One thing I noted in Tirana, Skoda, and there's construction all over the place. Construction of office buildings, construction of houses, uh, construction of industry, and money is coming in from abroad. People who come to the United States, to the UK for work, uh, maintain their sense of connectedness to Albania they have family there, and uh, you see that they pay for homes for their family back in Albania to live. And it, it's beautiful to see that. It's a country that you cannot help but wish them well there. Friendly, hospitable people. Uh, pleasure to be around. The... the um, kindness and you know calm that emanates from them is it's 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 like a tonic for the soul being living with that and when you see spiritual wealth like that it is something that you want to duplicate at home like when you eat at somebody's home and they uh, serve you food that is uh, a pleasure to eat you want to duplicate that at home and when you come home from Albania, you feel that same sense. The roads are insanely narrow. There's, I think, maybe one place, maybe I saw a one-way street. But the vast majority of streets in Albania are two-way. That does not, not translate into two lanes. That means you can be driving down a street that is barely wide enough to open both car doors all the way, and there will be a car approaching you from the opposite direction. There is no horn honking. Someone backs up very slowly, but with adeptness, and the other person uh, moves forward. If there is a space to pull to the side, the person who is 
moving forward, we'll back into it and allow the person who has backed up to pass them. I studied behind the reflect the reflection of the sun on the windshield in cars backing up, trucks even, and we're talking sometimes on mountain roads which were not paved, where it was like you were driving very, very carefully. I looked behind the windshields of these cars, behind the reflection on the windshield, and I, I, I saw complete calm. It was almost like people realized Having an anxiety attack is not going to make this road any wider. We work through this by working together and being careful. It's a beautiful spirit, and when you experience that, you want to take it home. To your driving, to your relationships, whatever. It's just very refreshing. When one applies this approach towards driving, towards other endeavors in life, people move forward, even if in the short term one has to move backwards. This is a, was for me a profound metaphor, something that can't be bought in a tourist shop, uh, but it can be emulated, and this is one of the nicest things about travel. Two of many things that drew me to Albania were, number one, its recovery from 45 years of communism, which traumatized the country in terms of damage to its traditions, terrorizing its population, and presenting a pseudo-independence, where on the surface they were zealously um, distrustful of the world, yet they were at first Stalinist puppets, where they had statues of Stalin, who certainly was not Albanian, in every major city. And also there, you know, after, after they broke with the Soviet Union, there was the partnership with China. When communism fell, not only did they need to develop economically, they needed to develop laws to deal a judicial system that could deal with free enterprise. That came to a catastrophic head in the late 90s when there was a financial bank collapse. It was like a national pyramid scheme practically erupted it erupted into civil war the people who were there during that time have told me that it was a scary time to be around thankfully albania has come back from that we were there during an election campaign and when you don't speak the language at all you become very dependent upon the visual cues of advertising we saw one bulletin board we saw a, a what do you call it? Yeah, billboard, I meant to say, that we saw on the roads as we drove from the north to the south of the country and then back up north. It was a picture of a police lineup, and it showed familiar faces 
uh, of Albanian politicians, most of whom I did not know, along with two clowns. And it was basically the presence of the clowns in the lineup kind of made fun of the other people in the lineup. There was also a billboard that was divided into half. One half was bright and well lit in living technicolor and the uh, left-hand side was black and white with politicians looking down as though they were in disgrace. We visited a museum uh, that paid tribute to the victims not only of communism in Albania, but also to the victims of communism worldwide. This museum was in Shkodra, which is uh, in the north of Albania, and it was really a powerful exhibit. The museum had been some sort of uh, monastery or religious building. The communists took it over, and what had been monastic cells were turned into prison cells. And it was just heart-rending reading of in the exhibits of some of the um, uh, tortures and mistreatment that the people in the Albanian gulag had to endure. We also saw a huge underground bunker in Tirana, the capital, which was intended for the entire uh, communist leadership. They were able, to, in, the, in the event that Albania was attacked, they could filter the air, they, they had food in there, they had living quarters for uh, members of parliament. Um, it was seriously impressive. It even had a, a bedroom for Enver Hoxha, the dictator, and his wife. Of course, there was a special irony that the people who would bring most like be most likely to bring Albania to war and invasion were the ones who would be saved instead of the people who would suffer most. That's something we see in this country. We have a, I guess, bunker system in Washington, D.C. that's a well-guarded secret, but it's supposed to be completely awesome. Perhaps if people had to live with the consequences of their bad governance, they might govern a bit more prudently. But um, I don't see that happening anytime soon. One thing that personally drew me to Albania was the story of its treatment of Jews during the Holocaust, which was absolutely exemplary. Albania is the only country in Europe that had more Jews at the end of World War II than at the beginning. Uh, most of them did leave after the war, probably because they could see how things were going with communism. There is a museum in Berat, a Jewish museum, a, a small place, which details the heroic efforts of the uh, Albanian people, and largely successful, I might add, to protect Jewish refugees. This continues today. They have well-picked refugees from uh, 
unrest in the Middle East, and uh, they have welcomed them into the country. It seems that they are taking care not to make the same mistakes that Northern European countries have uh, made in letting people in without keeping an eye on them or enforcing the laws and mores of uh, the host country. This tradition of hospitality, I might add, is deeply rooted in a uh, an Albanian legal code known as the Kanun, a part of which is called Besa, which means promise. It means your word is your bond. It also means um, if someone comes to you for refuge, protecting them even at the expense of one's own life. Um, I, I would hope that Albanian historians, other historians as well, sociologists will uh, study the Kanun, its social context, the history of its development, because one of the things that happened under communist rule was they did everything they could to wipe out the application of this legal code, which was conceived of in a different time. So, uh, you know, you hear about the Albanian blood feuds, and there are people that can't leave their houses because of them. Uh, but a lot, a lot was forgotten in this legal code. And most legal codes are not something static. They evolve in response to new conditions. Uh, I remain fascinated by this facet of Albania's uh, history and development. It sometimes serves as a counterpoint and a uh, unifying force when you have people who are religiously diverse and diverse in their opinions. I once heard some German banker who was offering supposedly helpful advice on how Albania could move forward, and he was suggesting that Kanun be done away with. Uh, now, in light, just after World War II, some of the catastrophic mistakes that uh, people in the European Union have made uh, in moving forward in their history, I don't know how much they have to teach the Albanians from any standpoint of moral superiority. I think it is best for people to examine their traditions, to study them, uh, and be aware of the social context in which those traditions evolved, and not to just throw them out and find out what useful purpose they were serving. I think this approach should be used for everything. Study why things were done a certain way, and then see how you want to move forward with a full knowledge of what was. Interestingly enough, I saw that Albania uh, is not totally aloof from the outside world, despite the reputation it developed under communist rule of being reclusive and almost xenophobic. I saw a street in Tirana that was named Donald Trump Boulevard. I had my picture taken on it. Uh, I also saw, apparently, President George Bush did some things for 
Albania in terms of, I guess, uh, state visits, in terms of aid, etc. And there was one city we were in where there was a square and a street named after George Bush, spelled with Albanian orthography. It was kind of amusing. On a darker note, when I was uh, in um, Gerocaster, which is in the south, there is a street named after George Soros. And uh, seeing the havoc he has wreaked on the United States of America, particularly with his um, uh, assisting in the election of Turnham Loose DAs, district attorneys in various cities, uh, I hope and pray for the people of Albania that whatever efforts he has made uh, to influence Albania's future come to naught. I would have to say that as a Jew, I am deeply ashamed of George Soros. On a lighter note, I noted that um, Albanians were very well dressed. Uh, the American infatuation with designer labels is blessedly absent in Albania. We shopped in a couple of cities in a Turkish clothing store, the name of what Turkish clothing store chain, the name of which eludes me at present. Um, what for us were decent prices, but on an Albanian income, which on the average is maybe a little less than $400 a month, those are probably pretty expensive. I always look in, at things not in terms of their dollar cost, but in terms of how, how much time a local has to work to buy something. I noticed people buying milk, leaving a store with their groceries, and I saw people with two-liter Coke bottles, empty, that were filled not with Coca-Cola, but with milk. There is a lot of uh, reuse of uh, containers. The fresh vegetables were, and fruits were delicious. The beer was very good. Now, we didn't eat restaurant food because of, you know, kosher regulations and all. But we were able to find enough in groceries and in Chabad houses in adjacent countries that uh, we were able to make our way through pretty well. Uh, I'm sure, given the mountainous nature of Albania, that they must have, they must have great wine. I didn't uh, have any, of course, uh, but I'm sure it is a good country for wine. They have a beverage called Iraqi, which can be made from distilled gra uh, grape alcohol and also be made from any other fruit that you could imagine, and it often is. Albania has so much to teach the world. I found that the best souvenirs I brought back from Albania were my memories, my um, observations about their national character and how they approach their difficulties. It is a country that I would gladly go back to again. They do patriotism beautifully. Uh, they make good use of their um, natural resources. They're very big on hydroelectric uh, electric power. 
When I was in areas where there was more of a Christian majority, I was refreshed to see that things slowed down on Sundays. Um, I feel much more comfortable when the uh, majority among whom, the religious majority among whom I live, uh, keeps to its traditions. It was such a blessing having been able to visit their beautiful country. I am from the Balkan, Balkans and uh, on one side of my family. And there is a certain way in which um, geography transcends whatever language one may particularly speak. I urge my readers to look up Albania on YouTube. It gives you some idea of the breathtaking geography. The music is beautiful. There are Albanian movies with English subtitles, which I greatly enjoy. So y'all have a good rest of your week. And not only should God bless Albania, he should bless us all wherever we are. Thank you.